All right, we're going to get back into the book of Philippians. And so uh, can you turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4? We're going to go through 4 to 7. Philippians 4, 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, where it surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's the message a translation. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all who meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, uh, today. We thank you for, Lord, loving us, God. We thank you for waking us up this morning and, and bringing us to your house, God, to worship you, Lord, to be with brothers and sisters, God, and now to come humbly to your word, God, that you would speak to us through it. Lord, to that end, we ask you right now to release the revelatory ministry of the Holy Spirit in this room. Lord, give us an ear to hear and a heart to receive with the Spirit to say in each one of us individually and corporately as a body. Lord, I humble myself today. I ask that you use me to preach your prophetic word with power and authority. Help me, Lord, not just convey your words, God, but convey your heart. God, we thank you, Lord. We love you in this house, God. And in Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Great. Uh, we didn't do it our greeting. Turn to your neighbor. Say, hey, good looking. So good to see you today. Okay. Sorry, I'm going to switch chairs. I think this is... Okay, yeah, it's a little higher. feel better. All right, so... <clears throat> As we've been going over the last few, um, a few weeks, we've been talking about offense. And if you remember, this whole passage is dealing with two women, uh, two very mature women who are, are having a struggle with each other. Uh, seemingly one offended another one, and, uh, and, it, and it is causing some issues in the church in Philippi. And so uh, he's, he's asking one of his brothers uh, to basically uh, handle this dispute that's going around. And so, and really the rest of chapter 4 is, is kind of ammunition for this brother to help these two ladies who seem to be quite instrumental in helping Paul, uh, particularly here in this church. Um, and you remember uh, the, the verse we talked about, and we, we spent a few weeks on it because we felt it was so important, was Luke 17.1. It says, and he said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks should come, but woe to him through whom they come. And so this idea of stumbling blocks, remember in the Greek is the word scandalon, which is, we get the word offense. And so there was an offense that was taking place here. And we know, and we need to be very aware as believers Offenses are inevitable. As a believer living in this world, you will offend people 
and you will also be offended. Now, the key issue is not how is this possible? Why did this happen? Yeah, we can we can spend some time talking about that, but really what what's going to really make a difference in your life is really what are you going to do about it? Brothers and sisters, there's a lot of things that are going to happen to us. There's a lot of situations that we're going to encounter, situations that we may not be very aware of or situations that may be very troubling, very puzzling for us. Yes, it, it, it is a pretty good idea to think about why this happened, to figure those things out, but really more important is what are you going to do about it? I, I, I learned this lesson personally, but really the, the, the person that really helped me understand this more was actually Jackie Pollinger. And if you remember, I shared this story in, in bits and pieces before, but Jackie, uh, when I, when I uh, saw her, and, and we're at this dinner together, and, um, and she was going through a season. Something happened to her. Uh, actually, something really bad happened to her. Not, not, not her doing, but people around her. Uh, you know, they sent this anonymous letter. Uh, they sent it everywhere, all over Hong Kong. Uh, sent it to everyone in church. Uh, sent it all over. It was like, like, it was, it was like 32 points, 32 reasons what's wrong with Jackie and her ministry. And, and it, it led her into a, a lot of introspection. It led her actually to be quite troubled. And, and so when she was telling me the story, I asked her, so what did you do? And she said, I worked, I went home, and I played solitaire. In other words, she started getting depressed. And all she could do is just play these you know, computer games uh, just, to get, just to get her mind off of these things. And then she was walking at, at, her, at, her, at her center, and she was looking really glum and really down. And then one of uh, her disciples, you know, this man who had, had uh, been rescued from drug addiction, looked at her and basically said, Jackie, what's wrong with you? You know, where's this life, you know, that you usually have? Well, you know, what, why are you, uh, you know, uh, seem so down and so beaten down? And Jackie uh, shares what's happening. And, and this, this, this man just looked at her and said, hey, listen. It doesn't matter who's right. It doesn't matter who's wrong. It doesn't matter if it's fair. It doesn't matter if it's unfair. And this is and listen, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. The wisdom of God. He says the only thing that matters right now is what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? As a follower of Christ. Now this is not what he said, but this is my interpretation. As a follower of Christ, are you going to be depressed? Are you going to just, just hide into a cave? Are you going to go play solitaire the rest of your life? Or are you going to be like Jesus? Are you going to be able to forgive? Are you going to be able to let go? Will you trust God enough that he's with you? Will you trust God that he is the judge? Vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. He says, I will repay. And will you trust him? Would you let this go and would you take on the character of Christ? And something woke up in Jackie, and she says, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Brothers and sisters, offense is inevitable. And listen, if you're married, guess what? Your beautiful spouse that's sitting next to you right now, with, within the next month, will offend you in some way. Don't look at them, Okay. But it's going to happen. It's inevitable that stumbling blocks, that offenses will come our way because we're human beings. 
And so the key is, is, okay, you need to spend time thinking about why it happened, those things. But really, the real big question is, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond in this way? And I want to suggest to you that how you deal with these offenses will really dictate the quality of your spiritual life going forward. You can become bitter. That happens a lot. You know, or you can be free by just leaving it over to the Lord. And so Paul gives instructions uh, in this place to his, his, his colleague, his brother, to help these women, and it continues on. And so at verse 4, this is the word, rejoice in the Lord, always. And again, I say rejoice. Now listen, he's not saying to us, like, just this simple, like, be happy, don't worry. Isn't, do you remember there was this old, old song? And it was like that, just be happy, don't worry. It was, it was just a simple, that, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying Everything is going wrong, but be fake. Come to church, put on a smile. Hey, be happy. Don't worry. No. He's not saying rejoice in of yourself. He says rejoice in the Lord. That is a huge, huge statement that's there. You don't rejoice in your circumstances because sometimes our circumstances are not worthy of rejoicing in. Let's be honest. But rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the person, the character, the finished work of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Right? Rejoice in the Lord. Not in circumstances, not, not in your uh, sunny disposition, but rejoice in the Lord. Because th- this is the reality. The people that could really put their focus on the Lord, especially in these times of difficulty, don't really have time for petty arguments. Do you know what I mean? They, they don't really have time for, to give offense, to take offense in these things. They're, they're too busy focusing on the Lord. Rejoice. Be, be happy in the Lord, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's about Him. It's not about our personality, and it's not about our circumstances. It's not about any of these things. He was not urging people, Paul was not urging people to have a sunny disposition or, you know, listen, you need to have a better mental attitude. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, don't put your focus or don't look to these circumstances or what's going on here. He says, look to the Lord. Have confidence in the Lord. God is in charge. Turn to the other neighbor say, hey, good looking. Say, don't worry. God is in charge. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Let, let, let your focus not be on the circumstances. Let your focus not be on what's going on with you. But let your focus be on the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And he says, and let your gentle spirit be known to all men. So focus on the Lord. The second part here 
is focus on your demeanor. Let there be a gentle spirit. Uh, the word uh, that's, that's this word in Greek uh, is, is translated gentle many times. It's also translated as patience. We see this. Um, another word is moderation. Um, another word in the Strong's Concordance is equitable. All right, let it be equitable. What this does is this gentle spirit, it's not necessarily talking about a personality. There are clearly people that are very, very gentle. And I share with you uh, uh, a few weeks ago, that's not necessarily the characteristic or the word that people use with me. All right? I just, I just be honest. You know, particularly when I'm playing sports, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, wow, P. Sam, you're really gentle, right? That, that's, that's usually not something that, that uh, aligns itself there. But, you know, a person that I, I really uh, respect and admire in this way actually is, is Pastor Nate. You know, we could see Pastor Nate, we say, oh, yes, he's very gentle, right? And that's kind of a good thing, right? Nate, are you here? There he is, yeah, right? Very, very gentle. It's, it's something, you know, really beautiful about that. But this is not talking about a personality. It's, again, in the idea is talking about this confidence that someone has. And this confidence is there because, let me say this, it describes the heart of a person who will let the Lord fight his battles. Clearly, this passage, something is wrong. I mean, some, somebody did something to somebody in this way, but the heart of it is a person can walk in gentleness, or maybe that, that word is, is a little loaded. Let's just use the word patience. We can be very, very patient. You know why? It's simply because we know the Lord has fought his battles for them. Now, one of the things, I, lo- I also love watching sports. But, you know, there's a big difference when I watch a sport live versus I watch a recap of, the sp- of that game. When I'm watching the sport live, if I'm watching, you know, my Lakers or my Dodgers, I'm a little anxious. I- I- I'm a little worried. I- 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 I'm-, I'm fretting. Uh, I'm, I'm not patient at all. And, and you know, you'll, I'll, I'll blow up at, at the screen at times. Oh, why'd you do that? And these things. It's very different when I watch the recap of the game. I already know that we won. I already know the score. I know, I know that, that, you know, at the end, even though it looks so bad, I know that in the ninth inning, Max Muncy hit a home run. We won that game. And when I'm watching the recap, I'm so gentle. I have a forbearing spirit. I'm so forgiving. The guy, you know, relief pitcher came in, you know, threw a, a, a pitch. The guy hit a grand slam, right? All of a sudden, we're down by three. I'm just chilling. I'm so patient. It's amazing how patient I am. You know why? I already know the score. I already know we won. I don't go crazy about these little things that happen. In that same way, we can have a gentle spirit. We can be patient because we know that God has already won. That God is is fighting our battles. It's this gentle spirit describes a person who is free to let go of, of his anxieties 
and the things that gives him stress because he knows the Lord has taken up his case. It's a person who trusts. They just trust. They know God is in charge. They can walk in this patience because even though it looks really bad, it looks really bad, God is in charge. And I don't know about you, but I read the last book of the Bible, and we won. And we won decisively. Jesus won big time. And so that gives us this this inner strength to be gentle, to be patient in this way. And it's a he can he follows this up with this reminder the Lord is near. In other words, he's coming soon. Brothers and sisters, he will settle all that is wrong in the world very soon. When he returns, he will settle all that is wrong in the world. And as a result, we can be patient. We can rejoice in this way. And then he continues on. He says, and don't be anxious for anything. Right? Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Remember when we talked about the whole offenses? Talk to God before you talk to anybody else. That's, that's, that's key. He says here, and he's giving this advice to the ladies. He's giving this advice to his friend to remind these ladies. He's giving this advice to the church in Philippi, and he's giving this advice to us. Don't be anxious. That's a strong word. Brothers and sisters, what is giving you anxiety? What is causing you to worry today? Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't fret. And, and it's, it's not just for no reason, but all that anxiety that you have, those fears that you have, and those worries that you have, he says is simply give it to God. It's beautiful. Just give it to God. This idea of do not be anxious, you know, do not worry, do not fret, these things. Actually, in the Bible, there's, there's 366 verses in the Bible that tell us don't be anxious, don't fear, or don't worry. It's perfect. It's one for every single day and an extra one for leap year. It, it just works out perfectly in this way. Let me read you this story. This is, uh, uh, or this quote. This is Dr. E. Stanley Jones in his book, How to Be a Transformed Person. And this is what he writes. It's really beautiful. He says, I am inwardly fashioned for faith, not for fear. Fear is not my native land. Faith is. I am so made that worry and anxiety are sand in the machinery of life. Faith is the oil. I live better by faith and confidence that by, than by fear, doubt, and anxiety. In anxiety and worry, my being is gasping for breath. These are not my native air, but in faith and confidence, I breathe freely. These are my native air. 
A Johns Hopkins University doctor says, we do not know why it is, the, it, why it is that warriors die sooner than the non-warriors, but that is a fact. But I, who am simple of mind, think I know. We are inwardly constructed in nerve and tissue, brain cell and soul for faith and not for fear. God made us that way. To live by worry is to live against reality. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. When I was young, uh, I'm, I'm really young. I'm talking about, uh, about 10 years old, 11, uh, around that age. I used to be a huge worrier. I, 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 don't, I don't know exactly what happened, but I, I was just consumed. I'm, I'm, I, I, I would be pretty sure that back in those days, I probably had an ulcer. Uh, when I was young, I didn't want to go to sleep. And it's not because I wanted to stay awake and, and have fun and these things. There's two reasons. One, I would get nightmares at night. And I mean like bad nightmares. Um, nightmares to the fact, and I learned this later on, they're actually called night terrors. And, and many times when I would sleep, I would be paralyzed. And I was actually awake. I'm awake, and I couldn't move my body. And, and it, it was, I was scared to death. I couldn't move. I mean, I just, sat, I just laid there. I couldn't move my body at all. I could hear everything that's going all around me, but I was paralyzed. And, and it just, it just, that just brought more fear into my life. And, and, and what I would focus on, this is before I met Jesus, what I would focus on is I just wanted to move my finger. I try to move, I would just try to move any part of my body, and I couldn't. And so I just try to move my finger. And I knew as soon as I could move my finger, I would wake up. And, and, and I, I was terrorized. That, that actually happened to me after I met Christ as well. It happened to me one time. And that one time, now, I had a friend, his name was Jesus, right? And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so when I was in that situation, I knew that if I cried out Jesus' name, it would leave me. And that's exactly what happened. I, the same thing happened. Now I'm a college student. I'm pressed to the bed. You know, I'm like, oh, no, this thing came back. And then, but I knew I, I had a friend. And I said, Jesus, Jesus. And as soon as I said his name, boom, I was back. And it hasn't happened to me ever since then. But when I was little, when I was 10, 11 years old, that would happen to me quite frequently. And so I was terrified to go to sleep. I also, and this was kind of a weird thing. I'm still trying to figure it out. I can't quite figure it out. But I didn't want to go to sleep because I didn't want to wake up a day older. I just wanted to be young. Like I wanted, especially, especially during the summer, during summer holiday. I just didn't want it to end. I mean, I would wake up. I grew up in Chicago. I'd wake up in the morning. I would ride my bike to uh, uh, to the baseball field. I would play baseball for nine hours until it got dark. I didn't even eat lunch. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't even remember that. And then, as soon as it got dark, I would ride my bike home. And so I just, I just wanted to do that every single day of my life. Uh, I'm, that's, that's all I wanted to do. And so I, if I went to sleep, then I got a day older, and which means another day when school is going to start in September. And so I, I, I had this kind of irrational fear. That's, that's, that, was, that was my early life. And, and I, was, I was so worried about so many things. Um, before I became a Christian, my parents went through a, a financial difficulty. Actually, a couple of them uh, during this time. And I would often be so paralyzed by fear, so paralyzed by worry 
and anxiety. Now, don't get me wrong. On the outside, I would look really cool. I would look very cool, calm, and collected. I, I put on a show for a lot of people around me. Uh, but inside, I'm telling you, I was terrified. And, and I, I, I didn't know what to do. And then in my junior year of, of university, Jesus came into my life. And, and I'll tell you, everything changed. Uh, there's, there's three things. One, he saved me. And, and, and uh, I mean, th- that one, I mean, uh, that's just worth everything. Two, that uh, God gave me purpose in life. I was walking life without any purpose at all. And God gave me, he saved me, and he gave me purpose. And three, right, he got rid of the anxiety in my life. I was able to trust him in this. And during this time, as I got to know God more, as I got to know Jesus more, as I got to be acquainted with the Holy Spirit, and as I got to be acquainted with the Bible, I read this this beautiful passage in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. And he says very simply in the beginning, do not worry. Do not be anxious about your life and what you should eat and what you should wear. You know, and and uh, uh, Jesus, this is the part of the Sermon on the Mount. And he would say simple things like, you know, there's the, the, uh, God takes care of the sparrows and he dresses them so well. And, you know, the birds of the air and he gives them food. And, and, and he uses, remember, the, the, call, uh, the, uh, the call Vomer, uh, the rabbinical argument. How much more will God take care of you? If he can take care of these little things, how much more will God take care of you? Right? He takes care of the insects and the ants and, you know, and the birds and the animals. Even the grass he takes care of. How much more will he take care of you? And then verse 33 that became my life verse. It's one of my life verses. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these other things will be added unto you. And I realized at that moment, I would say the word of God just injected into my spirit. And I just, it just, it just dawned on me that, that if I can put God first, that, that's my task. If I can put God first, he'll take care of everything else. And, and, I, and I'm, 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 I'm pretty, by the, by the grace of God, by his mercy, I think I've done a pretty decent job in my life of trying to put him, I didn't do it all the time, but trying to put him first. And I've seen that when I do that, just things come into order. Seek first him, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will take care of itself in this way. Why be anxious and worry when you can trust? Think about this, right? Uh, anxiety and worry, it's been said, it's like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but, isn't, but it doesn't take you anywhere. It gives you something to do, but doesn't get you anywhere. Now, the reason for our worry and anxiety, I want to suggest to you, is a faith issue is a lack of faith. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, and the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. Let me read you this story. Uh, One of Napoleon's generals uh, descended upon an Austrian town, brought 18,000 soldiers with them. This is George Mueller Messina. The town council met 
uh, certain uh, that capture, right, they should just surrender was the only answer. The old dean of the church uh, basically reminded the council that it was Easter, and he begged them to hold services as usual and to leave the trouble in God's hands. They followed his advice. The dean went to the church and rang the bells to announce the service. The French soldiers heard the church bells ring and concluded that the Austrian army had come to rescue the town. They broke camp, and before the bells had ceased ringing, they vanished. What a beautiful story, right? There's something about trusting the Lord. In other words, letting God take care of the battle uh, that you're under. And we see this happening here in this place. Isaiah 43.1 says, But now, thus says the Lord your Creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Brothers and sisters, you belong to the Lord. It's God's responsibility to take care of you. It's God's responsibility, right, to have your welfare in check. You know, uh, years ago, um, my, um, I, I, I learned this lesson really, really well. And my parents went to the mission field. You know, there were Southern Baptist missionaries who spent 17 years on the field in Uzbekistan. And my younger brother and I, we drove my mom and dad to the airport. We had to take two cars because my parents were carrying so much luggage. So we took two cars. Uh, we drove from Irvine uh, to LAX, and, uh, um, and we said goodbye to them. And uh, it, was, it was a very tearful journey. Uh, I remember coming back home, and I was living at my aunt's house in Irvine at the time. I remember coming back home, and it was, it was weird. I, I, I walked into the home, and I just started, I just started weeping. And at first, it was just, I just started crying. You know, I, was, I was missing my parents already. And then I just started bawling. And it got to, it got to the point where I was like on the ground and, and just, just weeping. And, and, and it, was this, it was this thought, this thought that, you know, it'll never be the same again. Like I will never live in my parents' home ever again. And, and it, was, it, was, it was sad. It was, it was really sad. And, and I was worrying about them. You know, they're going to this country. I, I, actually, I've never even heard of this country until they brought it up. And, in fact, the country had only existed for two years. Uh, this is 1993. 1991, uh, the, uh, the Soviet Union collapsed, and all of a sudden you had like 14 nations uh, become nations on its own. And so, uh, and, and I mean, I never even heard of this place, and I was worrying and, and all these things. And I remember I, remember I was praying and, and I started, I started kind of getting mad at God. I said, God, you're the one who did this, you know. And I remember as a, as a young, you know, as a young college student, I looked up. I raised my fist at God. And, and I, I remember saying this. I says, God, you better take care of them, right? They're your responsibility. You better take care of them. And I heard this gentle voice come my way. And he said, Sam. That's me, right? Sam. It's so simple. He says, who can take better care of them, Sam? Me or you? <laughs> and I sat there and said, you, Lord. Yes, you can. And then something changed in my heart. And I think I just, all that fear and anxiety and worry that I have, I just gave it to the Lord. And I said, okay, 
it's you. You know, and during, you know, those 17 years that my parents were there, the first few years, I actually couldn't get a hold of them for months at a time. They, they planted a church uh, way up in this area called Urgench. And, um, and there was a lot of, um, um, what, at that time, what they call like the, the Muslim mafia. You know, they, they, they were Muslims, but they were more, they had like political control. And so they, there was actually a hit list on them. And, and so they, they were like, they were running, you know, from place to place, actually stationed in Kazakhstan for a period of time. Go, would go back into uh, Uzbekistan when it was safe. And, and even during that time, I didn't worry. It is by the grace of God, because I knew that they were in God's hands, right? A man does not worry when he knows that his God is omnipotent. It's in God's hands. Brothers and sisters, you are in God's hands. Turn to your neighbor. Say, good looking. He says, you are in God's hands. He loves you. I'll give you another passage. Acts 17, 26. He says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. You know what that means? It means God chose the time and place of your birth. You were here in Hong Kong. Yeah, your job may have brought you here. Maybe your, your parents moved here from China years ago and made Hong Kong your home. I want to tell you, no, it was God. He says this. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. God knew that you would be here in Hong Kong 2023, this month of October. He ordained it. And if he knows where you're going to be and he places you there, he's also going to take care of you. That's his promise to us. God takes the responsibility of you being here. Who can handle your situation better, you or God? Of course, God can. So surrender. So let go. He is in charge. Here's some quotes. Chuck Swindoll says, Worry pulls tomorrow's cloud over today's sunshine. Doesn't do you any good. In fact, you lose the power of the present moment. There's a Swedish proverb. I like this. He says, Worry often gives a small thing a big shadow. Worry often gives a, big, a small thing a big shadow. There's a very famous speech uh, that an American president gave, John F. Kennedy, and says, basically says something to the effect that the only fear right, that we have is the fear itself. And, and it's so true in this way. See, but instead of being anxious, right, instead of having us worry, God promises us something every single time we make a request known to him. You know what he promises us? Peace. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace of God that is beyond comprehension. In other words, you should not be having this peace. It doesn't make any sense in the world because the problem is still there. Like your situation, your circumstances haven't changed. But God gives you this peace. 
that, that, this, that this is beyond comprehension and will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Many years ago, you can show this book cover. Many years ago, we did this book as a staff. Remember staff? Remember, remember this book? QBQ. Really, really enjoyed this book. It's the question behind the question. And, and the tagline there is, is what to really ask yourself to eliminate blame, victim thinking, complaining, and procrastination. It's, it's actually, a, it's not a Christian book. It's a business book. And, and, and the idea is, as a manager, people tell you questions. But if you're a really good manager, a good leader, you will understand what's the question behind the question. In other words, what, what is the motivation or what is the fear or the anxiety or what are the concerns that are driving, actually driving this question? And so you can, you can answer the question that they're giving, which really won't help the person, or you can answer the question behind the question, the source of why they're asking what they're asking for. And so, uh, so I'm not going to talk about the book, but I want to I make a suggestion to you that we do this when we pray. We have what, what I'll call the PBP, right? The prayer behind the prayer. Say PBP. That's really hard to say, but try it. PBP. Go ahead. PBP. Come on. Right? The prayer behind the prayer. Okay. Listen, listen to my logic and reasoning for a moment. You don't have to answer this question, but I'll just speak out loud for all of us. Why do you want God to answer your prayer? Just, just think about that for a moment. So, okay, you're praying like, I'm praying for my ankle to be healed, okay, like, like yesterday because I got a, I got a tournament in, uh, in about three weeks. And so um, it's, it's, it's really important that, that I, I, I make this. And so uh, we're praying, some of you are praying to get married, some of you are praying to have children, some of you are praying to ha- get a promotion, some of you are praying for someone to get healed or someone to get saved. I mean, there's a lot of different prayers that we have, but, but, but why do you want God to answer your prayer? I want to suggest that there is a prayer behind the prayer. And really, if you think about this, the reason why we want God to answer our prayers is so we can be peaceful, so we can have well-being, so we can be happy, we can feel content. I want, I want my kids to study well. I'm praying that they would study well. Why? Why? Right? We, I mean, you know, in Hong Kong, I remember when, when you know, we have four kids. I remember on our first kid... And we started talking to Hong Kong people. I had to stop talking to them because it made it seem like what we did in the next two years was life and death for my child. They need to get into the right play group, go to the right kindergarten, go to the right elementary school, right to the right international school, to the right college, and so on and so forth. And I was like, just shut up, you know? That's ridiculous. It's, it's not, it's, uh, excuse my language, sorry. But it's, just, it's, not, it's not based on, you're, you're so worldly. You know what I mean? It's, it's, and I'm, I'm surprised, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about people in church are telling me this kind of stuff. You know, who, 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 you know, who had kids, you know, a little before in these things. But yeah, I want my kids, right, to, to go to, you know, to go to a good school because I want them to get a good job. 
You know, I want them to find a nice spouse. And you, you go down the line, all these things. Why? So they could be happy. So they could be content. So they could have well-being. You want your mom to be healed. Why? So she can be peaceful. So she can be happy. So she can be content. You want a promotion. Why? So you can make some more money. Right? So you can be happy. So you can be peaceful. So you can have well-being. Think about every prayer that you pray. I want to suggest there's a prayer behind that prayer. And at and it may be different. I'm not talking to everyone, but at gut level, heart level, is because you want peace. You want well-being. Listen to the promise of God. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Give God those things that make you anxious. Give God those things that make you worry. Give God those things that burden you, that are sucking life out of you. Give God those things through prayer and thank Him in that way. Give it to Him. And then God, listen, He doesn't promise that He's going to answer your prayer exactly the way you want it every single time. But you know what he promises you? Peace. Shalom. Right? Irene in, in the Greek. Every single time. He may not answer the prayer exactly that you want, in the timing that you want, but as soon as you give God your anxiety, as soon as you give Him your worry, as soon as you give Him those circumstances in prayer, He'll give you actually that thing that you want, that, 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 that intangible, or I think it's very tangible, but really the prayer behind the prayer, the reason why you're praying is this is what you want, peace, shalom, wholeness, well-being in our life. Every single time. You are anxious about something at work. In fact, even when I say the word work, right? Work, tomorrow, you're going to work. Some of you guys are filled with anxiety because there's stuff going on in your work right now. And God says that if you give it to Him today, at the end of this service, even right now as I'm speaking and you're praying, and you give him those anxieties, you give him those worries, he may not answer the way that you, that you wish for, but he will give you the very thing that you really, really want deep inside, which is peace, peace, shalom. He'll give you that sense of well-being every single time. That's God's promise for us, right? Every single time. And in fact, and what happens, he says, in that peace, right, will guard your heart and mind. The word guard in Greek, it actually is the word garrison. Garrison is talking about thousands of soldiers. And so what God promises, because that anxiety will want to creep back in. But what does he do? He, he, he gives you an army of protection that will, it's like a fortress that will garrison your heart 
and your mind, which is where all the worry, right, happens, anxiety in Christ Jesus. He protects us in that place. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know this works. This works. I'm, I'm here right now. I told you my story. I used to worry so much. I used to be so anxious. I, mean, I, was, I was at times terrified. And I met this Jewish man named Jesus, and he changed my life. Something happened, and I started reading his word. And I, I read passages like Matthew 6.33 and Philippians 4. And, and I, I, I tell you, I mean, you could ask my wife. You could ask my staff around me. I'm just not really prone to worry that much. But you know when it happens? It happens once in a while. It happens once in a while. And you know what I do? I do that quote that, that we read, Stanley Jones, in that way. And I, I, uh, this, is, this is simply what I say. I said, fear, worry is not the air I breathe. I breathe faith. And, and now, you know, as I've been a pastor for over 30 years now, I've learned during this time, when worry comes upon me, when, when anxiety, and I could, I could feel it, when it comes upon me, it's foreign to me. That's not my native breath. That's not the air I breathe. And then I just start, I just start like a series of questions. I just go before the Lord. And I say, okay, well, okay, why, what, all right, what's with this anxiety? What this, uh, what's this with this tension right now? All right, I don't like this. This is not who I am. I'm, I'm a child of God. This is not the air that I breathe. And I start asking myself, self, Sam, why are you so anxious? Why are you so heavy laden right now? And I just start talking. I start talking to God. I start talking to myself. And so then what are you worried about? What area are you having difficulty trusting God in? You know, what's happening here? What's, what's, what's going on in my own life? And, and, I, and I have these, this kind of like course of questions I talk to the Lord about. And then it always brings me back to that place. God, I'm sorry. I just need to trust you. Forgive me, Lord, for taking this burden on myself. You're in charge of my life. You have responsibility. Lord, and I, my responsibility is just simply to surrender. You know, the great thing is I surrender to the Lord and the Lord just garrisons my heart. And I'm back to the happy-go-lucky right, person that, that God created me to be. That's the air I breathe. I, as, I should say, not I, we, as children of God, we have access to the Holy Spirit that is peace, that is comfort, right? that brings well-being to every single one of us. And it's made possible for every single one of you. Amen? Let's close our eyes. Let me invite the worship team to come. Right? Why do you want to be healed? Why do you want that promotion? Why do you want any prayer? It's because you want peace. Isn't it a blessing? God says, I'll give that to you every single time. And the peace of God, which transcends all comprehension. It doesn't make any sense, humanly speaking, because your circumstances didn't change at all, but you changed. Because the Spirit of God living in you 
cause life to overcome death and darkness. Brothers and sisters, the air we breathe is not anxiety. It's not fear, but faith. Let's trust God because He's in charge and He is near. I like, the, I like the word near that He used. It means He's here, but it's also coming soon. The Lord is here with you. He understands what you're going through. He understands what's bogging you down. He may not answer your prayer like the way you want Him to answer. But He's going to give you the prayer behind the prayer, which is peace. Shalom. And as the worship team leads us in a song, can I encourage you, if you are dealing with fear, anxiety, worry today, Surrender to the Lord. He's got you. He's with you. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You are mine, says the Lord of hosts. Yeah. 
God gives us the body to come alongside. And, and so we just want to just spend a, a moment to pray for each other. And I know it's easy for me to say, the Bible to say, don't worry. Don't be anxious. And it may take some time for the Word of God to really dig deep into our hearts. But the body is here to help you, encourage you into that process. So we just close our eyes. And if you're here and you're saying, you know, peace, Sam. I hear you. It makes sense. But you know, if I'm honest, I probably have a little difficulty, a little trouble, a little struggle in really allowing the, the scriptures and that truth to really move into my life. And we want to pray with you. So that's you. Just lift your hand in the air. Just, just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's, that's me. I, I fall in that category. That's okay. We're all in this process. We're all growing and maturing together. Right? So lift them up nice and high. And you know what we do as a church? If your hand is not raised, that means now you're a minister. Look around the room and there's brothers and sisters that are on this journey. And let's lay hands on them and let's bless them. Let's ask God to put into their hearts a spirit of surrender. All over this place, let's find someone. Let's lay hands and first of all, listen, you got your hands up. Don't get beat up by the devil. We're all in the process. God teaches us to surrender every day. And well, let's pray for each other as the team continues to lead us.
Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, God. Lord, the air we breathe, God, is faith. It's not fear. It's not worry. It's not anxiety. God, we are your people, God. We're the people of faith. And Lord, and you are always at work around us. Even when we can't see it, you're working, God. Even when we can't feel it, you're working. You're always at work around us. And we know you're working on our behalf even now. And so we surrender our worries. We surrender our anxieties. We surrender our fears. And your promise is that you're going to give us peace, well-being, comfort. Because that is who you are, God. And so thank you. Teach us to continue to surrender until we recognize that the air we breathe is faith and not fear. We thank you, God. We love you, Lord. We bless you. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, shalom, from this day forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you.